Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. No sleeves. What do you need sleeves for? They just get in when you're supposed to work hard. You know, down to the ankles, you'll trip on it. You know, that's, that's your coat, okay. But the Hebrew words that are used here to describe Joseph's coat indicates that this coat had sleeves down to the wrists. This coat went down to the ankles. This was some coat. All handmade for Joseph with the loving care of his father, Jacob. I mean, what a scene of that, you know? So, Joe, you know, what if I saw that, like I do tonight, you need a coat? <laughs> that shirt's too loud, you need a coat. No, what if, I, <laughs> what if I say to Joe, hey, Joe, you need a coat. You know what I did for you, Joe? I went down to the Burlington Coat Factory, <laughs> and I said, Joe, here's the coat I bought for you, you know? And Joe says, did you make it? No, the label says that someone in Pakistan made it, you know? <laughs> okay, but if I set up a table in the front of the Creation Museum, and I spent my time making that coat for Joe, and everyone could see me making the coat. It means so much more to Joe, because it was personally made by Joe. What's the most famous scene that we have in the Bible of a father making coats for his children? What? That's it. It's God, the father, making coats for Adam and Eve. See, in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam, also unto his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Oh, what words are those? Whoa, how can we possibly imagine something like that? You know, in Genesis 3.21, unto Adam, to his children, the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them? You imagine that when Adam gets that coat, a man Adam can, say, Adam can stand up and say, and can it be that thou, my God, should make a coat for me, <laughs> all right? <laughs> can you imagine the angels looking and saying to themselves, you know, they're saying something like, you know, 1 John 3, 1, behold, what manner of love God hath bestowed upon man that he himself should make coats for man and clothe them. So when we read that God made coats for his children, it causes us to come into this question of Psalm 8. Psalm 8, verse 3, it's this question, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what's man? What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? You know these words like thou art mindful, thou visitest him. What's so striking us is to consider this personal involvement. You know, it wasn't somebody in Pakistan to make the coat. You know, if I made the coat and it was God who made the coat, that's how God loves. He loves with a personal involvement. And what strikes us so much in Genesis 33, it's this word he, he, Jacob, he made him a coat. 
of many colors. It was Jacob loving Joseph with this personal involvement. And can't you imagine Joseph, he's wearing that coat after he makes it, and he's stroking with it. He's not impressed with the beauty, but dad made this coat for me. It's nice, dad made this coat for me. And what a scene of Joseph stroking the coat and saying, dad made this coat especially for me. With all dad has to do to run this big household here, I'm just one of his 12 sons. Why should God care and love me so specially? Why should he make this coat for me? What scene, you know, Adam and Eve and stroking their coats of skins and say, God made this coat especially for us. He made this coat especially for me. With all God has to do in keeping his great creation operating, why should God care? Why should God care if, if we needed coats to cover the shame of our nakedness, as he said? I mean, why should God make the coats himself? Why didn't he have somebody in Pakistan or an angel make the coats for us? Why should God clothe us? Why should he sit there and say, now stand still while I put this coat on you? And as we look at Joseph, we look at Adam and Eve, you know, and asking those questions, it brings us to ask some questions about ourselves. Why should Jehovah Jesus care that you and I have sinned? Why should he care? Why should he care that we are in need of an atonement covering for our sins, an atonement coat, something to cover our sins? Why should he care? You know, we're coming up. Reminder, next Sunday is going to be Rosh Hashanah, the New Year. Then following will be Yom Kippur. The word means day of covering. You could call it a day of coat. It's a day of covering. Why should Jehovah Jesus care? Why should Jehovah Jesus himself come to earth, be so abused, suffer so much, die this horrible, shameful death on the cross, be buried and rise again just to become our coat, just to become our atonement that we needed for our sins. But Jehovah Jesus did. And all that is brought to mind when we read what Jacob did for Joseph, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when Joseph wore that coat, oh man, it just spoke of his choice. God chose me. You know, and that was so wonderful. And when we read about Jacob making a coat of many colors for Joseph, you know, we can't read something like that without, without thinking about the Lord Jesus. You know, the Lord Jesus wore a coat. He wore a coat that showed the Father has chosen me, the Father has preserved me, the Father loves me. You know what that coat was? It was his miracles. When he did those miracles, people said, whoa, he's special. And this happened in Matthew 12, 13, where it says, where there's this man, he's got a withered hand. Jesus says to him, stretch out your hand. He stretches it forth, it's restored whole like the other. Then the Pharisees went out, they held a council against him, how they might destroy him. When his brothers, when Joseph's brothers saw how much Jacob loved him, they hated him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, great multitudes followed him. And then it says that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, behold my servant whom I have chosen. Look at him there with that coat of doing those miracles. My beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. There stands the Lord Jesus, just like Joseph. And there stood a man with a withered hand, a man with a withered hand. And there stood the Pharisees, just like Joseph's brothers. And he heals them. He's wearing the coat. He's wearing the coat. And God says, that's a fulfillment. I chose him. I'm so happy with him. Now, you read about all this. We read about all this, the coat that Jacob made for, for Joseph with the many colors. You think about God making the coats for Adam and Eve. And God made a coat for us. That's an amazing thing. 
You know, it's a, God looks us over and he sees the need we have for clothing. This is a clothing for our souls. And he says, like he says to the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.17, he says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with good and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. How could there be such a disconnect? How could God says you're naked, and how could they be like the emperors with his new clothes, which were no clothes? How could that be possible? But then God says, you don't know, but I know. You don't see, but I see. You're naked. I counsel thee to buy of gold of me, tried in the fire, that mayest be rich. White raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. So he looks at them, God looks at them, and he says, look, you think you're well clothed? You're naked. I say, yes, naked. You know, I see the shame of your nakedness. I see how much you really do need clothing. You need a clothing. Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you white raiment. White. You'll be clothed. Shame of your nakedness is not going to appear. What's the clothing that we need? What's he talking about, the clothing? What clothing? This is soul clothing. Soul clothing. You know, 1 Peter 3, it speaks about that. Who's adorning? Speaking, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel, clothing, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in the which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of, of great price. Oh, that's really nice. God sees we need clothing. What kind of clothing? We need a clothing of a meek and quiet spirit. What's the opposite of that? What's the opposite of a meek and quiet spirit? It's an in-your-face that's the opposite, in your face, loud, proud, boasting spirit. So the first clothing that God says we need, he says you need a clothing of a meek and a quiet spirit. And then he speaks of another clothing. He speaks of another clothing in 1 Peter 5, 5. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So what's God saying? He says, you need the clothing of humility. See, right after the need for the clothing of humility, we're told that now you have a responsibility. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. You know what speaks about being clothed with humility? And then it says, humble yourselves. That means that we have to put that clothing on. God's, we have to put it on. Humble yourself. You know, we think about humility. Some people think that humility has something to do with how I think of myself. Some people think that humility has something to do with how you think of yourself, how we think of ourselves. Some people think that humility is thinking less and less and lower and lower of ourselves. Some people think that, right? But thinking less of ourselves is still thinking about ourselves. That's self-consciousness. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves. Humility is thinking less about ourselves. That's what humility is. Humility is being less self-conscious. Humility is being more God-conscious. Humility is thinking less about ourselves and thinking more about God. And so, but we don't do that. We're naturally not like, we don't like to put on that clothing of humility. We like to think of ourselves. We don't wake up in the morning and say, well, I want to wear humility today. I want to humble myself. I want to think less about myself. I want to think more about God. That's not what we do. And so God says, well, you need a little assistance. 
You need a little help in this department. You gotta wanna humble yourself. So God comes in with his assistance to help us so that we put on the right clothing, the humility. He has ways. He has a mighty hand. He can bring that down. That helps. And God does this only because he loves us. He loves us and he wants us to wear good clothing. He wants us to look good. You know, just like the man. Think of this scene. The man who turns to his wife in the morning before he leaves home and says, how do I look? <laughs> he thinks he looks great. Knowest thou not <laughs> that thou art rich? No, he thinks he looks really great and he comes to his wife and he says, how do I look in these clothes? How do I look? Tell me honestly. You picture the scene of the husband coming to his wife in the morning before he leaves home and he and asks her, how do I look in these clothes? Now, I just want you to freeze that scene. Freeze that scene in your minds because that's what we should do every morning in our morning devotions. That's why morning devotions are so important because it's before you go out. And that's why morning devotion times are so important because it's that picture of the husband asking his wife how he looks that we need to repeat in asking the Lord every morning. Every morning in our devotion time, we should say to the Lord, how's my soul look this morning? How do I look? How do I look before I go out today? How do I look today? And God in his great love, he's gonna be honest. And he's gonna tell us how we really look with the soul clothing we're wearing. And if we don't do that, you know, if we don't even ask our wives, you know, we don't do that, then, you know, in our devotion time, God, like our wives, will get this pained look on his face and say, you're not really gonna go out wearing that today, are you? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I am married to you. You kind of reflect on me, you know? You're not gonna do that, are you? You're not gonna go out looking like that, are you? Please tell me you're not. <laughs> Why? Because your soul clothes, you look terrible. You look terrible clothed in that suit of pride and arrogance. It's terrible. Just look at that terrible clothing that you have on, the selfishness, the seeking, the personal wealth. You look terrible in the clothes. You got those rags of worry and anxiety over the future all over you. You're not gonna go out like that, are you? Pained look. You're not really gonna go out today looking like that, are you? You reflect on me. I'm your God. I'm your wife. And the sensitive soul will say, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I looked so bad. Okay, I'll change my clothing. Okay, I'll change my soul clothing, all right. And we turned to God and we said, what should I put on? He says, oh, I'm glad you asked. I got a wardrobe here for you. Romans 13, 11. You're gonna look good, I guarantee it. And he says, in Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we flee. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, drunkenness, not in chambering, wantonness, strife, envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So when we turn to God and ask him, you know, this question, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. God will say, you still wearing those clothes, those night clothes, the sin and the strife? Cast them off, take them off. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what happens when a person doesn't care? When a person says, I don't care, I'm not asking, I don't care, I'm going out with what I'm wearing, that's what I put on, that's what I'm wearing, that's what I'm wearing, that's all. Well, what happens if a person doesn't come to God in the morning, in his morning devotions, and ask him how he looks in his soul clothing before he goes out? What happens if a person doesn't listen to God in his morning devotions when God says, wait, please tell me you're not going out wearing those things? Then... It's sad. 
Because God then brings down his mighty hand to get the person to listen to him, to be sensitive to him. And he's telling him, you need to change the clothing. It's necessary. And he does that through his mighty hand. And that mighty hand might be affecting finances or health or loss of friends. But he brings his mighty hand down for one reason. It's because he cares. He cares how our souls look. He cares how we're clothed in our soul clothing. And he wants us to be clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to be clothed in the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ, always thinking about God the Father. I do always those things that please him. How come he could always do those things that please him? Because he's always thinking about him. He wants to be clothed in the holiness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was among sinners, but he didn't sin. He wants us to be clothed in the Lord Jesus's love for others. He looked on the multitudes, he had compassion. He wants us to be clothed in the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lifts up the meager pieces of bread when there's so many people there. He doesn't say, oh, what are you gonna do about this? This is so terrible. He just rejoiced. He rejoiced, look, we got a little bread. That's great. He wants us to be clothed in the thankfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent has revealed them unto babes. He wants us to be clothed in the God-reliance, but we'll only do this We'll only be clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ if we cast our care upon him, if we cast our care upon him. If we're all wrapped up in worrying and anxiety, we haven't put on the clothing. We haven't put on the clothing of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about our problems. But if we cast our care upon him with the full insurance, he cares, he cares for us, then where the relief comes, the rejoicing and tribulations, and that means we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The first time a person puts on the Lord Jesus Christ, that's described by Isaiah. That's described by Isaiah in Isaiah 61.10 when he said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Garments of salvation, Yesha, from Yeshua. Salvation from Jesus. He has clothed me with Jesus. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. This verse is saying, he has clothed me with the garments of Yeshua, of salvation, of Jesus. He's clothed me with the garments of Jesus. And Jesus is the righteousness, so it means he's covered me with his robe of righteousness. That clothing of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ is so different from how we present ourselves how we normally are clothed. Like Isaiah says that one too. He says in Isaiah 64, 6, you wanna see how you're really clothed? He says Isaiah 64, 6, for we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. What a thing to be wearing, filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf. Our iniquities like the wind, they've taken us away. See, our normal clothes are filthy rags. And God sees those filthy rags and he says, you're not gonna go out in those, are you? Tell me you're not going out. So God says, come on, come on, come on. Let me replace those filthy rags with the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. For the first time, you'll look much better. Let me replace those filthy rags with this beautiful robe of righteousness, which is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just stand still. Let me put it on you. You're gonna look good. See, he says, that's why he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. See, he hath clothed me. He hath covered me. We can't do it ourselves. We cannot clothe ourselves in the garments of salvation. We cannot cover ourselves in the robe of righteousness. Only God can do that. 
Only God can clothe us in those wonderful garments of salvation. Only God can cover us with his robe of righteousness. It's a gift. It's a gift from God in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved, and that through faith, and that through faith, that not of yourselves. The salvation is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So God says, let me cover you. Let me cover you. Then you're gonna experience something wonderful. He says, you're gonna experience 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, we get clothed in those so clothes. We gotta be careful, gotta keep them clean like anything, you know, and especially when you go eat Phil's barbecue, you gotta be very careful. And so in James 1.27, James 1.27, he says, pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, keep himself unspotted from the world. I don't know what it is about me and ties. My ties are a magnet to get spots. That's why I'm not wearing a tie tonight. I try to keep try, you know, I put the napkin over it, it's on my hand here, so you know, I don't lean over, but to get spotted, I don't know what it is. So in my laundry room, I have a can of naphtha and an eyedropper to remove the spots. It's a very, very carcinogenic activity. I don't recommend it. But it gets the eyes clean, you know? It's the world that spots our soul clothes. You know, it's the world that, that can spot us. And we say, well, what's in the world? First John 2.16, 1 John 2.16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. And our soul's clothes, our soul clothes, they get spotted by what our flesh lusts for. And our soul clothes, they get spotted by what our eyes lust to see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know, our soul clothes get spotted, but what we're proud of, those are spots, and it happens. And what happens when our soul clothes get spotted? God has something better than naphtha, he says in Revelation 7.14. Revelation 7.14, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. How can blood make something white? Don't ask. But they came out of great tribulation, Great tribulation, their souls got spotted by the world, and they made them white again in the blood, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so what are we seeing today? First, God cares about how we look in our soul clothes. He wants us to ask the question, how do I look in these soul clothes I have on this morning before I go out? He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to listen to him when he gets that painful look on his face and says, please tell me you're not going out looking like that. You want a title for the message? That's the title. Please tell me you're not going out looking like that. But you gotta put a painful face on when you say it. You can't just say it. So you're not really gonna go out looking like that today, are you? Please tell me. So for salvation, God says to us, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ because he wants us to be clothed for salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his righteousness. For living as a believer, God says the same thing to us. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ because he wants us to be clothed in the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the loving Father. Lord, to care so much about what we wear and then to send your Son, Father, your son to die for our sins so we can be clothed with his salvation, clothed with his righteousness. 
Help us, Lord, to take these things to heart. Make us like Mary, Lord, to keep these things in our heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. 